calling all aspiring investment professionals. Get a leg up on the competition. Final registration for the August CFA exam ends on May 14th. Register now to secure your spot. The CFA designation is of gold standard in the investment world, opening doors to high-powered careers and impressive salaries. Head over to cfainstitute.org to register. Don't wait. Take control of your finance career today. Hello, and welcome to this episode of CFA Institute's Take 15. I'm Steve Horn, joined here today by Dr. Aaron Lowe, CFA, at our 2010 Private Wealth Management Conference in Singapore. Dr. Lowe is a principal of Lumen Advisors, where he manages emerging market long-short funds. He's an author of numerous academic and practitioner studies and serves CFA Institute as a member of its Board of Governors. Dr. Lowe, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. In, uh, in your work, you've uh, got a lot of observations about what's going on in the fund industry in emerging markets um, generally, not just in China, which was the subject of your uh, presentation this morning. Um, what can you tell us about the growth in that industry? Well, you know, if you look at um, the market itself, uh, the size of the market, and what are the new instruments that's out and a lot of regulations that's been changing, including uh, the pension fund restructuring efforts that's going on in the EM, there has been a, a huge burst of activity on the domestic front for most of these EM, Russia, China, Brazil, it's been going for some time, uh, and India. A lot of uh, new startups, new fund management companies that's been growing, and some of them are growing very rapidly. So if we see uh, the fund management industry in China, you've got a top three who's at 20 to $30 billion each right now, U.S. dollars within 10 years. Russia is kind of building up. I mean, the big ones would be maybe about a billion dollars each. But again, that's a shorter history. They're poised to grow after the recovery of the financial crisis. Brazil is much bigger. Brazil's got a longer-term perspective in terms of its growth. And if you look at Itaú and some of the big banks, Bradesco, they are almost 100 to 100 plus billion dollars each. So you're looking at a sizable industry where there are a lot of new players and the question is for them uh, how next to grow, what's the next step uh, in the model uh, and bear in mind that these are markets that the traditional powerhouses, uh, the big fund houses, the capitals, the Wellingtons are not being actively involved on the local front but you know, at the rate they're growing, uh, there's going to be a lot of pressures from the global players to come into the domestic space. So I think the challenge for the local guys is what's the next step? Uh, do we do they get out of the shores? Do they uh, get into a partnership? Do they expand um, beyond the region? Uh, mm -hmm. Those are issues that uh, I'm seeing from a lot of uh, CEOs who run this business. Uh, what are the models that are at play and what are the different advantages and disadvantages? Well, the, the, the most common model right now would be the JV model. And typically in China, in Korea, in, um, uh, in some parts of the, like in Brazil too, you see a lot of uh, foreign houses having uh, a, a joint enterprise uh, and cross-selling uh, across platforms. Uh, the, the, it's been pretty much the initial kind of business uh, uh, offshoring that we see in this uh, in this in this industry, uh, what we are also seeing right now is uh, multilateral kind of agreements. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of differences in 
the, the, the functioning and the infrastructure of, of uh, cross-border operations, especially if you look at China, which has the QDI and the QFII kind of constraints. But uh, if you look at Russia, for example, which has slightly better institutional um, uh, infrastructural facilities ready, uh, we're beginning to see more of uh, appetite for doing multilateral uh, joint activities. So I think those kind of models will continue for some time to come. The third kind of model would be organic growth, and organic growth has its cost that we've seen in the 80s, um, the Europeans and how they try to grow offshore, and that's been uh, pretty unsuccessful. We've seen uh, some of the Asians do that in the 90s, and we're beginning to see probably in the next decade the Chinese wanting to do this. But there's not been a lot of success stories in these kind of domestic fund operators trying to go offshore. So if you think about um, um, a U.S. market, no one in his right mind uh, would want to buy a fund that's managed by a Chinese firm on the U.S., yeah, so, so if these uh, asset firms go offshore, they will have a huge problem trying to raise ass assets offshore. Look at the case of Mirai, for example, which is one of the biggest uh, uh, asset players around and certainly the biggest in Korea, and they have been the front runners in getting out, and they have limited success in uh, raising assets offshore, and most of the assets have been onshore. And, and so uh, given the cost of running an offshore operation, it's usually quite uh, a difficult model to pursue. Um, so I think the challenge is to be able to figure out what's the best way of, of getting into uh, regional markets at least. I think the, the multilateral situation might work, uh, but again, it's fraught with a lot of difficulties because the systems are different across different platforms, mm -hmm. different houses. Investment philosophy could be very different, and and so you know, and you got the ownership issue as well. Do you see the right approach being different in the institutional space versus the retail fund space? I think the institutional space is still growing. If you look at uh, market dynamics, uh, uh, a lot of the funds uh, within uh, the industry tends to focus, uh, for profit reasons, of course, focus on. Uh, the retail space. Uh, in Asia, private wealth is a big driver in the retail space, and so that allows people to actually buy uh, off of mutual funds that sold on third-party platforms. The institutional space will depend on what's going, you know, going on in terms of uh, the, the, the social security programs, the pension programs, and we're beginning to see some pickup in the pension systems. We're still far from the finished product and still young days, very early times to actually say this is going to be a big driver for growth, but certainly the driver of profits and most of the businesses would like to talk would be, you know, the areas that they'd like to focus is, is still in the mutual fund space. What about hedge funds in particular? What are their prospects in emerging markets? They are growing. I think the hedge funds trying, are trying to figure out what's the, the, the style to be camped in. I think you have the breakdown between regional versus you know, the style of the of the fund. Uh, so if you're going to be investing in uh, uh, Asia or EM, would you be buying an EM fund or Asia fund, or would, would you just be doing a long-short equity fund, of which part of it is in Asia? So I think fund of funds have to grapple with how to break down that stylistic decomposition in the buckets. Uh, but yeah, I think in EM, because there is uh, still not a lot of instruments that we can play around with, 
uh, and markets are still very much constrained in the securities lending business. Uh, I think we're still talked, uh, we're still tied up with the basic long short, but still, I think it's still constrained by the shorts. I, I, we, we have uh, good short facilities in Japan, beginning to be a lot more in Korea, some in Hong Kong, but there's a lot of uh, limitations in expanding in the true uh, long short space in EM, but certainly there's a lot of growth uh, in this area. Um, the setup of the futures, uh, equity futures market in China uh, does alleviate some of these problems, but we still don't have, we're still far from the single stock um, story. Mm -hmm. I guess that's the, the overall uh, view on these things. But what we're also seeing is in the last year or so, after the redemption story has passed, that single strategy funds are having a tough time uh, raising assets. And still most of the flows are going into the huge funds, uh, the traditional funds, where I guess you have much less um, counterparty risk and reputational risk issues. So I think that situation will come, to, uh, will be with us for a while, which kind of brings me back to what's happened with um, the dot-com industry where we saw that uh, happening in 2000, even as early as 1999, uh, where we, we, the world kind of thought of that space as a new economy versus old economy. And I think right now we, we're beginning to see, well, the, the old economy seems to be the one that's surviving and the new economy is redefining itself. And certainly these two industries have very much in common in terms of the ability to get an idea off the ground, to set it up running in no time, and be able to raise funds. So a lot of parallels we see in that, but there's too many names out there, and I think um, the industry is trying to consolidate itself. So it's a kind of a, a very similar path that we're seeing between what's happening in the hedge fund industry and what's happened and what has happened in 2000 with the dot-com industry. That's a very interesting analogy. I'm, I'm curious, too, if there's other parallels with respect to how funds might use securities lending or derivatives um, in emerging mar markets versus more developed markets. Well, you know, in the past, I mean, EM hedge funds have been around for quite a while. And when we started off in EM hedge fund space and some of my colleagues have started much earlier than I did. Uh, you can get some proxies to get around that situation. Uh, obviously, if there are no shorting abilities in and stocks, you can gravitate to bond space to do a proxy in a short, or you can go to the currency space to actually get instruments that allow you to get uh, a short exposure. Uh, so you have to make do with uh, kind of alternative instruments. But having said that, um, it does pose some issues, meaning that you could actually um, have contagion in areas that you otherwise would not expect because people are using proxies uh, for the generic long trade. So these are little side connections that I think uh, we have no understanding on a, on a macro scale, at least uh, given what the authorities are trying to map up in terms of growth exposures and net exposures in both derivatives and long only space and the short, shorting space. I think these are things that potentially can be an issue, uh, especially when you have an industry that's growing so quickly and everyone's going through the same shorts. And when the shorts, the shorting facilities are so narrow and everyone's driven to the same shorting facility, the volatility impact can be quite big. 
Absolutely, and uh, market depth has certainly got to be an issue at play here too then. Absolutely, yeah, correct. I mean, I think we, because of the lack of growth or the immature stage of the pension fund industry in Asia and the institutional side, uh, the securities lending uh, uh, part of the business is probably some way off. But if that comes around and, you know, and I'm not going to be betting big bucks on the news that CDS might be introduced in China, but if it does happen, uh, there's going to be a lot better opportunities for some of these hedge funds. But we're certainly seeing a lot of uh, entrepreneurs who's got an IPO off the ground and decided to manage his own assets. And the easiest thing is to set up a PE, kind of a hedge fund. And there are a lot of these kind of players uh, around. The uh, situation would be whether they'll be successful in raising uh, assets outside family wealth and whether they can actually have a successful model uh, in place. Aaron, thank you for sharing your experiences and thoughts on this. Thank you. And thank you, our viewer. To browse our catalog of other multimedia products, visit us on the web at cfawebcasts.org. Copyright 2010, CFA Institute. No part may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, electronic, mechanical, recording, or otherwise, without the express prior written permission of CFA Institute. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.